Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Leader. Twitter has a new boss, none other than the richest man on the planet, Elon Musk. Well, I think it's very important for there to be an inclusive arena for free speech uh, where all, yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's Musk giving an interview on TED, just hours after he made his offer to buy the social media giant. Now the $44 billion takeover has been confirmed, it has many people concerned about the ethical issues involving a man of Musk's power owning such an influential platform. Also, with the Tesla and SpaceX founder being a self-proclaimed free speech absolutist, just what could that mean for the future of Twitter? Here to share his insight is Professor Charlie Beckett, Director of Polis, the independent journalism think tank at the London School of Economics. The Elon Musk takeover of Twitter is very entertaining, but it's also very serious. Here we have the richest person in the world who's able to take over what is a relatively important platform for people to communicate and argue and publicise, sometimes about very trivial things, but sometimes about really important things. So this matters. And it's also a great mystery. Elon Musk is somebody who is transformative. He's done some extraordinary things but he's also highly unpredictable. You know, I'm sure he'd admit he's um, something of an egotist, an individualist. He's not used to managing something in the public sphere like this. It begs the question, really, should the world's richest man be able to own one of the most influential social media platforms? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we've kind of been here before in the sense that, you know, Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post. Rupert Murdoch was a very wealthy uh, person who was able to earn huge swathes of significant media around the world. So in that sense, the idea that wealth buys you media power is nothing new. And it's difficult to stop it without setting quite dangerous precedents. But, you know, you have to bear in mind, this is a different kind of media. Twitter is, on the one hand, it's a you know, company based in Silicon Valley. On the other hand, it's a global platform. It has to operate in lots of different jurisdictions and lots of different markets. And it also has to solve or try to solve a really difficult problem, which is how do you allow people to have conversations about really difficult and controversial things and at the same time avoid false speech, propaganda, hate speech, offensive speech. How do you manage that? It's incredibly difficult, especially when you throw in the idea uh, you're going to get a lot of pressure from perhaps countries like China, Russia, uh, India. And as Twitter has found, you're never going to make everybody happy. And I don't think Elon Musk has got any brilliant solutions, but he, he may take it in a different direction. What do you see as some of the biggest ethical issues around this takeover? Well, I think, you know, I just mentioned this idea about how Elon Musk or whoever he appoints, who knows how much he's going to be involved. I mean, that's in itself an ethical issue. He's taken this over and we've got no idea about what the structure of the company is going to be going forward. There are those 
big issues, I think. I mean, Elon Musk is an American. So from his perspective, this is a conversation about should you allow former President Trump uh, back onto Twitter? How far can you go to follow that kind of American principle of First Amendment freedom of, of speech? So issues around anonymity. Elon Musk has said he doesn't like it. And yet anonymity is really important to protect vulnerable people. And as we've seen, yeah, lots of people have gone on with their real identity and have said vile and horrible and nasty and violent and false things on Twitter. So there you go. You, there are some sort of ethical issues already. And as I said, he, he looks at this from an American perspective, but there are perhaps bigger issues. What's he going to do about uh, Russian propaganda bots on Twitter? Is that just freedom of speech? What's he going to do when uh, the Indian government asks him to remove the accounts of people who the Indian government uh, sees as anti-patriotic? And well, you know, we could just go on. There are all these dilemmas, these ethical dilemmas, which don't have easy answers. If Musk is the free speech absolutist he claims to be, what does that mean for Twitter? Well, first of all, it's worrying that he even uses that phrase. There's no such thing. I mean, I know what he means by it. We're all, in a sense, I'm a free speech absolutist. I love the idea of people being given voice. This is the marvellous thing about social networks like Twitter. It gives people a voice that didn't have it before. But there is no such thing as absolute free speech. I'm not attacking Elon Musk for this, but, you know, he blocks people. So he restricts their speech. People who work at Tesla have to sign uh, non-disclosure agreements, you know, if they're going to get fired, for example. So, you know, it's all well and good saying, in principle, you're a free speech absolutist. In practice, it's much harder to, to sit to that line. Should there be safeguards to preventing social media owners from influencing the content of their platforms? Well, in a sense, there are already is. Social media companies are subject to the law of countries. We have laws in the UK, for example, around defamation, around promoting terrorism and promoting hate speech. And these companies are not immune from that. And increasingly, there are going to be pressure uh, from regulators, as well as you know those authoritarian governments that I mentioned, to con- try and constrain speech. And at the moment, companies like Facebook and uh, to a degree Twitter have tried to juggle that. They've tried to put off being forced to be held accountable by themselves trying to sort of self-regulate. And in a way, I'm quite sympathetic to them. I think it's going to be very difficult to regulate social media because the conversations are so diverse. You know, you might go on Twitter and have a violent row with somebody about politics and say something rude in the heat of the moment. Somebody else might say something rude as a form of satire. Other people go on Twitter because they want to talk about a football team or just to have some fun and post funny uh, pictures and so on. So it's this is quite different. You know, regulating something like Twitter is a much, much harder task. So yes, of course, there's no reason why we shouldn't try and hold them accountable, just as we hold, you know, other media companies or we try to hold them accountable. But the idea that we're going to come to a settlement about the detail, you know, of what is sayable is much more unlikely. In some senses, perhaps we have to accept that we're going to have to accept more things that we don't like on Twitter and other social media. I think that's one of the problems that we're all finding that 
perhaps we're a bit less tolerant than we thought we were. And I think Elon Musk is going to face that same problem. It may be that he doesn't care, that he's happy to turn this into some sort of fight club, some sort of verbal anarchy of um, so-called free speech. I suspect that will just drive people away. So it's not a very good business model. What do you think the future of Twitter looks like? Honestly, I've no idea. <laughs> In the sense that, you know, at the beginning, who knew that um, Tesla was going to be such a mega success? Who knows where the Mars space program will really go? I think Musk's motives here are not deeply thought out. I think that he's doing this because he can, and that's an extraordinary thing. But we don't know the constraints upon, you know, the funds that he's raised. We don't know what kind of promises he's made to people around him. So I don't know if Twitter in the end will be hugely different. What he is good at is running a business. And Twitter has been somewhat, you know, leaderless. I mean, Jack Dorsey's been there, but he's not been a particularly great leader at making operationalizing things at developing new products the kind of thing that turns a scale platform like this into a financial or sustainable enterprise and you kind of feel well Elon Musk might be better at that but he's gone into this it seems not for the money but for the fun and for the influence and for what he would describe I suppose as a kind of public mission so that's quite an interesting cocktail of motives isn't it And that's it from The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.